I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, this is Flip Your Weird with Max. All about creative people that never give up till they reach success and desire some true happiness. And we all need to just, like, love and support each other, and that's what I think this new generation of artists is doing. Flipping our wig with Max. Hey guys, I hope everybody's really good. Are you ready for an incredible podcast? We are on episode five. If you are a budding musician, a singer, um, a writer, a producer, an engineer, you've been trying to kick the door of the music industry, but nobody is paying attention and you're sick of it. You feel ignored and you're incredibly talented. Guess what? There is another way to do it. Our guest this week on the podcast, Ebenezer, is a British-born musician who is currently working between the UK, America, Canada, wherever he has to go to share his talent. He's a writer, he's a producer, and he's also an artist in his own right. He has managed to navigate the music industry and be successful and stay sane, which is always really important. He's also amassed security, including two houses, a studio, and is still only at the start of his career. So how did he do it? Let's find out. we're about to come out of lockdown gradually start to get back into whatever is considered normal I'm wondering you know some people have really struggled with this time alone self-reflection isolation how has it been for you mine hasn't been bad to to be fair I live quite a quarantine lifestyle anyway I'm in the studio 24 7 Uh, the only difference is uh, during this whole lockdown uh, it just increased the rate of my work Mm because so many people are now not doing anything and they need their songs mixed or they need me to produce or they need me to write. So everyone's coming at me all at the same time. Yeah, we need this now, we need this now. And I'm like, Shelby, you can't get it now. I'm only one person now. I'm not yeah. going to stress myself until I run ill. I never really used to take a break, but I've decided like properly since lockdown. The, the music industry, it's, they don't really care about the musicians or the writers or producers. We don't get no sick pay. We don't get no holiday pay. If you're not working, you're not eating. So now that I'm not working and this is my time off, please don't contact me at 2 a.m. in the morning asking for something that... Because the best way to describe it is uh, all the major labels open from Monday to Friday, 9 to 5. 
and they always want you to do stuff, blah, blah, blah. And then weekends, you're still asking me to do stuff when your offices are closed. So I'm not allowed this... Uh, I'm not allowed the same luxury. I would think to get to that place, unless something major happens like health or, I don't know, something major in your life or you lose somebody, which makes you reflect. The other time that people make those decisions are when they feel more comfortable. Yes, 100%. Like I'm financially secure. 100%. I'm good. I've secured the bag so I can now allow myself to be a bit more chill about these things. I mean, is that fair? Yeah, that's that's definitely one of the reasons as well. I bought my myself a house. So my mum's good. Got my mum a house. Um, got a jacuzzi in my back garden. So I'm much more like these are the luxuries I worked hard for, so I can enjoy it. And I can't even enjoy them because I'm working twenty four seven. So I said, no, no more. Mm. Let me just come to enjoy what I've worked hard for. Yeah, I remember listening to this song. I think it's called Mercy with you and Koji Radical. And I remember you saying at the end. I think it was at the end where you say about when you're a kid, you have to stay indoors and you're looking outside at the cars driving by and, <laughs> and it's, it must kind of feel pretty cool as a relatively still fresh new artist on your journey to have the houses and to have it so soon as well. Do you know what I mean? Because you're still on your journey. It's crazy to see where um, I've come and where we've come from. It's, I, I, I honestly... If you had told me back then this is, would be your life, I wouldn't believe it. Mm. We was, it was four of us sleeping in a double bed. Um, me, my mum, my sister, my brother sleeping in a double bed in one single like, bed, bedroom room. And like the, the windows are half open for ventilation, as they call it, um, and for council. But it was literally just wind coming in. We were catching colds every other day. Um, to then being able to buy my mum a house and like, yeah, you don't have to pay rent no more. It's, it's, a, it's an amazing feeling. I didn't get money and think, oh, bust down a new car. I just, I've got my priorities in order because I can't be driving a Mercedes and my mum's still taking a bus. It doesn't make no sense. So yeah. I just made sure as soon as I got any form of money, I made sure my loved ones were looked after. <laughs> I think the other thing that maybe people that are listening right now are going to be thinking is, but hold up, he's a new artist, I haven't heard of him. How has he managed to be financially secure and do what he's doing and be in this space? Because there's a lot of artists that... A lot, a lot of people know about that still don't own their own houses that are still out here hustling but the perception is hey they're huge because you're hearing them on radio all the time or you know they've had loads of success you know so I'd love us to talk a little bit about the blueprint on how you actually made this happen so the first thing I think that's important for us to speak about is how tough has it been for you? It has been phenomenally difficult um I saved up some money and I quit my job I was working in Marks and Spencer's for five, six years plus working night shifts and then going to studios. So I would start at uh, eight in the evening and I'd finish at seven o'clock in the morning, try and beat congestion charge from Marble Arch all the way back to the end. Um, and then go to the studio, sleep a few hours and then go back to work like, every single day um, for five, six years. 
you were so young, like 20 years old. At that age, most people were running around, raving, um, just like really trying to discover who they want to be, but not really that focused. And you were literally working like what feels like two jobs. Having nothing really puts perspective, gives you perspective. Like we had absolutely nothing. My mum had three kids, uh, three kids, and before we got a, a house where we were sleeping in a double bed, mom, we were sleeping in telephone boxes with bin bags. We didn't have no money. Like, yeah. Cousins that were supposed to be quote unquote cousins kicked us out, ratted us to immigration, immigration after us. It's like a whole backstory. My mum is the, the the biggest OG I know. Like my dad wasn't in the picture for the um, longest amount of time because they deport, deported him before I was born. So my dad wasn't in my, my life for the longest period of time. And so my my mum was my only form of like parent and my brother. My brother raised me because when my mum's out there working two, three jobs. My brother's looking after me. My brother's taking me to football practice, um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but yeah, cousin, his family, who was supposed to be family, ended up ratting us out to immigration. Yeah. And then immigration tried to come and catch us. It was bad. We're sleeping in the streets. My mum, well, mom, the church she went to, they were giving us like some shelter, letting us sleep up, you know, members of the church's houses every now and again. Mm. So we managed to get a place of our own. And even then, when we did get a place of our own, we had to stay indoors and stay silent because if uh, social services caught that there is no parent around and there's these young kids who are vulnerable by themselves, they will come and take the children away from my mum and possibly deport my mum because my mum never had her indefinite stay at that time. We was born in, we was born in London, so we're cool, but my mum's not exactly going to... Where's your mum from? Nigeria. Nigeria. Yeah, so okay. she wasn't going to leave her kids in, um, you know, London. My mum my couldn't really eat because she was feeding three kids. Mm. And bear in mind, they were all legit before. My dad was studying aeronautic engineering and my mum was studying uh, to become a nurse. And the lawyer who they paid the money to shafted them and then stole the money and did. So now they had no money. That 20 grand, 10, 20 grand that they saved up, um, it's just up in the wind. Say don't let the money change you. I still kick you with the same crew. How did you feel? Because I guess, you know, when you're a child, taking in everything that's going on around you is a lot. Did you understand? Did you build this strength and this resilience that you have now because of your mum and seeing her go through what she went through? I used to pretend that like I didn't want to go on school trips because I didn't, we couldn't afford £10 for me to go on that school trip. So I used to be like, no, I don't want to go to that trip, that trip. That's for, that's for nerds and that's for losers. I don't want to go. But deep down, it was burning me in my soul. I never went to one school trip until the end of year 11. I went to one, one school trip. Uh, but yeah, um, I mean, I, I, I love my mum to bits. Like she has suffered like nobody ha- I've ever seen just for her to put food on the table and make sure we're okay. I still call my mum mummy till this day. And my mum would call me and check on me like, yo, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you need anything? Have you run out of fish? You run out of meat? Send it her way. Like, just make sure she's always nice. Um, as a single parent raising three kids, I have no excuse. I have no, like my mum is my template. She she worked hard. She had faith. And due to the fact that she's a believer in her faith, she made it out. And I may not share all the, the beliefs she 
does. But I do believe if you work hard and you put in the time and effort, you can get to anywhere you want to be. For so long, I was controlled and afraid of how society would view me. Um, I didn't want society to know how poor we was due to just the fear of being judged and being embarrassed. But now it hit, I hit an age where I was like, I don't care no more. I'm not, I don't care. People realize that I'm poor and I have nothing. I don't care if people don't understand the way my music sounds or how I'm the direction I'm going. I'm going to do this because I believe in it 150%. Even if my, my parents didn't even believe in it. My parents didn't believe in me doing music like that because they, they worked so hard for me to become an engineer, an engineer, a lawyer, a doctor, something that they were trying to do, their aspirations. And coming from a West African background, that's what they mainly focus on. So they, they don't know that you can actually make money from music. So when I'm breaking down the details of the business to my mum, my mum's there like, she's so surprised. She's like, oh, so you get paid for doing this? You stand there and do this? And you, I'm like, yeah, we really make money. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm fortunate and I'm blessed. I don't take anything for granted and I'll never stop working harder for born hustler due to the blueprint that my parents gave Paranoia, yeah. I got secrets that I can't even tell my lawyer. No way. Honey G's, like it came from overseas. With the doors, like they came in with the fleas. Yeah. Go chain around my neck just like a leash. Ah, anti-freeze. Yeah. Probably won't change a lot of seas. This is Slippy Wig, I'm Mag, a podcast where we celebrate some of the hottest, freshest people in film and music, people that literally are doing incredible things in their own beautiful way. Um, we want to champion, we want to support and introduce them to you and hopefully you'll get behind them and support them and enjoy them as much as we do. This week's special guest is musician Ebenezer. So Ebs, 2004 was an, an important year for you because there was an album that was released that changed your life. I want everybody to put their hands together for Kanye West and the College Dropout. Talk to me about this album. What was it about this album that you absolutely loved? Everything. Every, everything in that album. From the, the sonics to the production to the lyrics to the to the actual songs itself. It was just beautiful. Um, and then I heard his song, Hey Mama. Yeah. Which I was just like, bro, you're speaking everything that's on my mind. Like, my mum always wanted me to get a degree and I was like, one day, once I'm I'm successful and I've done this and I made sure I'm like, I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna go get a degree just for my mum, just just for my mum, not for any other reason, just so my mum can be like, yeah, my son got a degree. It's interesting because I remember the first project I heard of yours, Fifty Three Sundays, and I could hear the influence you got from Kanye's College Dropout, but you just sounded like somebody that was kind of was raised around religion and faith, but also kind of really conflicted because when I was listening to those songs it was just like listening to somebody trying to find their own way within like faith and where they were in their life. That project 53 Sundays was is about me struggling with faith. My mum's a Christian and she's always like go to church, go to church, come with me to church, you have to pray and it will happen and I'm like no that praying doesn't work. That It's not going to put food or money on the table, you've got to get out, you've got to hustle. Um, but my mum's like I'm going to pray for you, you gotta trust me, blah blah. <laughs> I guess her prayers are working. Yeah, I think it is. And here's the other thing as well that's really interesting is when you actually just 
be yourself and you're vulnerable and you're real. I think it's the best way to be and the music really connects with the fans. It's interesting. We had a, a guest on recently, Tori Kelly, who I adore. Um, for those that missed that chat, by the way, go to the show notes. You can enjoy it again. The link is there. She's somebody who wears her faith on her sleeve, Ebs, and like she just represents who she is fully. And in some ways, it's definitely blocked her in the pop world and maneuvered her in somewhere else. But she's okay with that, like because she's being her authentic self. So if certain people aren't comfortable with her religion, her faith, who she is as a person, that is their issue because there's enough people that like her for who she is that she continues to be herself. And I think you're similar, like in the sense that you have sort of continued to be consistent in your own way with not many cosigns with people backing you or supporting you or necessarily uh, making it easy for you, but you still continue to do what you believe in and be your authentic self, which I think is really cool. Uh, I, I'll never change because my music is not necessarily, it doesn't sound like it's from London. It doesn't sound like grime. It doesn't sound like drill. It doesn't sound like garage or blah, blah. Um, sometimes it's difficult for the people from the UK to take to my music. And it's, it's always, so sometimes it gets disheartening because I'm like, yo, I'm repping. I'm out here. I'm in, I'm in France repping. I'm in Germany repping. I'm in South Korea repping. I'm in America repping. Like, like what's going on? Where's the reciprocity? Um, some people really do show me love. So that's literally the only thing that keeps me going. Um, the people that really stick by me and the, the fans that I've got, the core fans that I've got there, It'd be DMing me all the time. Yo, bro, this is dope. Yeah. Like, keep going. With, I see you shining. I see some people on, like, on the road. Someone just came up to me and singing my song to me. It was like, I see you, B. And then just, that that fans keep it pushing. I was like, that, that's good enough for me. Just to know that it's connecting with at least someone and it's doing what it's supposed to do. And I'm happy. want to say I do, but I don't. I want to say I will, but I know I won't. Driving you ain't easy, but I still do it regardless. Driving you ain't easy, but I still do it regardless. Wanna say I can, but I can't. I really wanna give us a second chance. Cause driving you ain't easy, but I still do it regardless. Driving you ain't easy, but I still do it regardless. Even with your flaws and all. Flaws and all, Eredisa is my special guest. So, Ev, back in 2018, you signed with one of the biggest labels in the country, Virgin. And I know now you're independent, but at the time you signed, even before that, I think there was definitely this thing for many years where young artists always had this dream of if you get signed, then everything's going to be perfect. Like it means that you're validated. You must be sick because somebody's backing you and signing you. I know that's not the case anymore. And independent artists are completely flourishing and choosing to be independent now. So talk to me about signing that deal in 2018 with Virgin and why you did it. Now, crazy thing is I, I played a as my music. And they were like, yeah, it's all right. Um, could you finish off this song for X, Y, and Z? I'm not going to say no names. Could you finish this song off for blah, blah, blah? Then they like, they brushed me off. They're like, yeah, just write something. Blah, blah. I'm like, all right, cool. So the management I was with that time, I, I told my management, mm. I was with, I'm going to America. I have 550 pounds left. I'm going to America and I'm not coming back until I have a situation, until I make something happen whether it be just as a writer or producer. There was like, no, don't go, don't go, don't go. There was advising me against it. I went. And there's like, ah, oh, we're going to come out, we're going to come out. So they came out and saw me there. And then uh, I met Tunji. Uh, 
And I played Tunji my music. Mm. And he sat there. I played him the 53 Sundays stuff. Mm. Sat there, none his head. Do you want to just put into context for those that don't know who you're talking about, who this is? Okay. So Tunji is the one who signed Kendrick Lamar, Scissor, Bryson Tiller, her. He signed so many amazing acts. Now, I presented the music to him. He's nodding his head. In the I'm thinking he, he don't really like it. He's just nodding his head. That yeah, that yeah, I want to sign. I was like, huh? And then he made one phone call to the UK. Next thing you know, there's a bidding war. Wow. Yeah. So it took Tunji to call the, to the UK and be like, how come nobody has signed Ed? Next thing you know, all the a yeah, all the a I played my music to, yo, Ed, this is dope. Like, did you change the song? Oh, it sounded so amazing. I'm like, no, I didn't change the song. You just clearly wasn't listening properly. I, I felt so much resentment in my heart towards them. I was like, I played this to you and now you're just, you're acting like, oh, like, you discovered me. Yeah, remember when you, you played this to me, you should sign to me because I, I was here first. No, you wasn't here first. Like, stop doing that. Stop trying to, like stroke your ego so I just uh, I ignored it how I, interesting is this wow like this is the legit like thing that people don't know yeah and you then the, the person I signed to was uh Glenn Akins okay. who was at Virgin at the time okay. yeah I, I didn't know he was leaving so I had signed to a label yes and the person I signed to had left a month or two later yeah that's your A&R has dipped to go, and he went to go set up his own company at another thing. Now, I can't be mad at that because he's going to go set up his own thing and yeah. as another uh, fellow black man going to set up your own business is amazing. So I'm, I'm tipping my hat off to him. I'm like, yo, go do your thing. I'm not even, I'm mad, but I can't be mad at the same time. Yeah, but still, like, Ebs, it's super frustrating because for those that don't know how it works, in a label, your A&R is the person that's supposed to push through the project, help you, market you, because they're the ones that believe in you. So if your A&R leaves two months into you signing, unless you've got somebody there that, that loves your project or gets you, you're in a situation with people that don't understand what you're doing and didn't really buy into it in the first place. I mean, on top of that, you've got management, in your case, that also aren't the best. So... Oh my god, this just sounds so flipping insane. The craziest thing is, my old manager said that he doesn't think I'm gonna do good as an artist or something. He said something along them lines. After that, I'm in the label now under a management contract as well. Oh shit! And they don't understand me or what I want to do. I'm like, yo, we need to do this and we need to do that. Everyone's telling me no. The, yeah. the 53 Sundays that video that they blew budget on. You, ha you don't even see me in the video to the end and you don't even, you won't even notice me unless you know me. And even then you're just like, what is, is that? That wasn't a creative decision by you. It was so stupid. And I told them, I told them, yo, I'm not in the video. And they just shunned me and said, oh no, we know what we're doing, blah, blah, blah. Labels are ridiculous when it comes to that. And I, I, I urge artists, if you know in your heart, follow your gut. Right. Don't matter if they call you a diva, or whatever, fight for what you believe because they do not care about you. You are just a number to them. When I shoot, I don't miss. Check the score. Swift. So if you're in this like tough place, label is a bit of a mess and management don't seem to be supporting you either. That could really have made you just give up, but you stayed consistent and I'm just wondering what happened next? Like, how did you get out of that whole situation? I just had to, had to let it go. I had to, I spoke to my new manager 
and I, w- I was I was in such a dark place. I was down. Mm. I was like, I don't know if I can do this no more. I spoke to him. He said, you have two options. You either stay with Virgin. Yeah. Because Virgin, I wanted to leave and Virgin were offering me, they offered me more money to stay. Mm-hmm. He said, you can either take the money and stay and we'll work it out or you can cut your losses and start again fresh. I said, that's not even a question. I'm cutting my losses. I hit my lawyer. I said, I want out. He was like, I bet. Then he sent them an email saying everyone's out yeah. and you have to give him X amount so you haven't fulfilled these agreements. And I said, another thing you have to do, yeah. you have to get an amazing lawyer, not a lawyer who is just going to take your money and see you as, an, as just billables. Because mm-hmm. my lawyer, I've been with my lawyer for five, six years plus, and he was doing stuff for me when I had no money for my career. He said, I, I see you and you're such an amazing talent. Yeah. I can't do everything for free, but I'll do I'll do the most for you and help you out as much as I can. He got me out of terrible management contracts. He got me out of deals. He made sure they gave me, I'm not going to say the number, but he gave me, made sure they gave me a very good amount to build a studio, which I'm sitting in right now, to build a studio in my own house. And I told him I would never leave. Like even this, so I've got a situation that um, we're about to literally close. And I said, as soon as the situation closes, I'm flying you out to Japan. We're going to go to Japan. We're just going to, you know, celebrate because he really looked after me when nobody else was looking after me. He just saw a talent in me and believed in me. So I was like, yeah, that that loyalty, I I would it. We are in a really interesting time at the moment where there's a bit of a revolution. Black Lives Matter has definitely been instrumental in this conversation that's happening right now. And I think the music industry are also having to sit up and pay attention and make some serious changes. The first thing that has been implemented, Ebs, and I would love to know your opinion as an artist, is this terminology, urban, a category that represents R&B, hip-hop, soul, basically black music, is being taken away. Now, what are your thoughts? Good thing? And do you think it's going to help moving forward? Uh, I think Tyler, the creator, said it best when he said, like, winning like an urban award is like a backhanded compliment yeah uh, why can't i be in the pop awards if my music doesn't sound urban like, why are you sticking it in the urban section you just ah here you go go and sit in a corner and be happy with your little trophy but no there's so many amazing artists who should be in the pop category who should be in all these other categories where um they can com- compete amongst their peers so we 100 need to i've had i've had um <laughs> I've worked for some labels where they've said I've, I've made the, the song for them they're a pop artist made a song and they're like oh yeah this is amazing um, but we need it uh, a little bit more urban oh. so, so they just wanted to say oh we want it a, a bit more black I was like you need to stop that we just, it's just I just feel like it's it's got a a subtle connotation of you know, I, it's, it's a little back, backhandedish. I don't know. I think Justin Bieber recently said, and I hats off to him for just being real about it. And he said um, his style, his music, everything has been influenced by black people. And I think a lot of um, white R&B soul artists, both US, UK, everywhere really, have taken their influence from black R&B soul, blues, jazz singers. And now labels have got to stop getting all gassed and excited when a white girl or a white boy walk in and they sound like a black artist. That, to me, is such crap because there are so many awesome black musicians out here doing soul, R&B, jazz, funk that deserve 
to get the same support and have the same opportunities. I'm just hoping this actually happens. Like there's, there's even in the UK, like there's so many phenomenal artists, uh, black male artists, black female artists who are singing what these other pop artists or hip hop R&B, whatever genre artists are doing, but they get overlooked completely. It's like, but it's much better than theirs. Like, Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The, the image is better. Everything is better. So what is going, what is the difference? What's the deciding factor? Oh, yeah, because we can sell this person and we can't sell this person. Okay. But now, the way culture has changed, it's like the black culture has really influenced and shaped shaped pop culture. So pop culture is no longer just pop culture without blackness. You can't separate it. We are culture. So whether you like it or not, you have to accept us. So looking forward then, as a black musician in the industry right now, are you excited about what's about to happen? Are you like thinking this is going to be a good thing for everybody because the industry really is having a kick up its ass? It's it's been a long time coming, and I feel like with this now we've also got a, we've got to still stand strong with the, with the whole movement and not let it die down. There, I don't think there's been a black major label ever. Like it's just owned by white people. Not that it, that it's a bad thing, but there's no real accurate representation considering the music that you all promote is black music. Yeah. So I'm confused to why there is no black representation in the boardrooms. The craziest thing is some people, these execs who have their jobs, some of them are the son of blah, blah, blah. They have no credentials whatsoever. They couldn't tell you publishing from mastering, but they have that job. Does that make sense? It doesn't make sense. It's uh, this person. I don't want to say no names. <laughs> Someone got an A and R job because they're friends with blah blah blah. But you you don't know anything about music. The things that you do in in order to get this job, there have to be criterias met. You have to have like worked on this show. You have to have done this and done that in order to be able to then claim 
vice president or president because you can't just go from lounging around in your living room to being the friends with with this person. Oh yeah, now I'm the president. Some of them are just getting the, the credit, not doing the work that someone else is doing. Someone else is busting their ass, making things happen. And then all the credit goes to... Yeah. And I think that's why when somebody like Austin, the boy gets um, vice president at Atlantic Records, you know, one of the biggest labels in the world. It's so very important because here's a guy who actually loves music. He did BBC Radio 1, One Extra, Spotify, Apple Music, but also did his own thing independently and ran his own company where he was supporting British talent, predominantly black British talent. So I hope that he's an example of where it can go and hopefully more people will get the opportunity that he's been given. 100%. We do. We, we need music lovers. I don't care what creed or colour you are. If you're the right person for the job, you're the right person for the job. Just one, one thing I, I, I do want to point out is A&Rs in the UK are different from A&Rs in the US. A&Rs in the US, let's, okay, let's say I work in a studio from, I'll start in the evening, 6 p.m. and I'll finish at 3 a.m., 4 4 a.m. in the morning. A&Rs in the US will be there with you in the session till 4 a.m. in the morning. They'll leave when you leave. A&Rs in the UK, no way. No way. They'll pop in, hey, just want to check how you doing. You know, just, oh, so what's news? And then out the door. Wow. They're going to the, the, the going to the pub with their friends. They don't really care, they don't really care about the artists like that. In the US, they care about you because your success is their success. So they have to make sure you succeed. So they'll be there in the sessions with you till the song is done and help you. And what do you need? What can I do to facilitate for you? And that's why some of them have a really great relationship with their A&R. That leads me into this area because you're in a very like special situation at the moment where you're kind of between the two countries and you're getting to experience how different systems are but also connect put your music out to different audience the biggest audience everyone has this dream oh my god we've got to crack america we've got to crack america you're in the studio with people like ty dollar you're in the studio with various different people in pop music as well and you're having that chance now to have a real life comparison between yeah. the two countries I mean, what's that been like? It's been an amazing experience, to be honest. Um, one thing I know for sure is the American hustle is way different to the UK hustle. The American hustle is, it really is the American dream. They believe they can make it as long as they work hard and they work the hours. Not to say that the UK people do not. That would be a lie. UK people work extremely hard. I've been with some amazing artists who put the time and effort in. But America is a different ballpark. Different ball games. Do you feel more inspired when you're out in the US at the moment? Hell yeah. I write all my best stuff out there. All my best stuff out there. Because you wake up, the sun is shining, you're in LA. Like, oh, let me get some. Let me get some oatmeal with some berries and start my day. I get my oatmeal in and then it's straight to work. Um, I'm fortunate that at my manager's house, I have a studio in the back, just like this situation in the UK. So I can literally work, constantly work hard. And in America, they don't care who you are. They don't care if you've got no cuts or you've done no records for nobody. As long as what you're bringing and presenting is quality, they will accept it. In the UK... You have to have worked with this person or done this person or get a co-sign by this person. And I think that's silly. It's very silly. It's like going to a job and the, the, your job is 
the job you want is telling you, well, you don't have work experience, so we can't hire you, but you have all the credentials, you've, you've got the grades, you, you know. So how am I supposed, who's gonna give me work experience if somebody don't give me work experience? We are in such an insane time. COVID-19 made everybody stop, get locked down and pay attention to a lot of things, which I think has been incredibly important. Black Lives Matter not only broke our hearts, but it also empowered a lot of us to want change. Now, I remember last year, because we follow each other on Instagram, and I remember last year you posted a video and it was during a moment that you were being harassed by the police. Yeah, I've, I've, had, I've had so many and some of them I've recorded, some of them I haven't. I came out the house, so my mum lives around the corner from me. I came out the house, and as I was, I turned the corner to go to my mum. Stepping out my house, I see the a police, a big bully van, creeping. So they're just, they're, they're just creeping. And I don't know what they're looking for. So they've just seen me come outside my house, turn right, have my boxes and trousers in one hand, have my phone in my other hand. So my hands are occupied. Um, I'm going to my mum's because my bathroom's getting redone and I need my asthma pump and I'm running out of breath it's good to go to my mum's so I'm going to my mum's and I see them turn the corner and I'm like ah oh, here we go and then I cross the road because I needed to cr- have to cross the road they jump out of the car someone says something to me and I'm like huh next thing I know I'm in a headlock I was like huh I was like huh he's trying to swing me he's trying to swing. I'm like yo what are you doing like I can't I can't breathe like what are you doing like, I'm asthmatic am I having that I'm going to have an asthma attack. Until I said asthma attack, that's when they kind of let go. And it was like, oh, we're stopping you under the act of pace, blah, blah, because you've been... I was like, bro, I live here. You saw me come out my house. You just saw me. Like, what are you talking about? And I can't express enough how many times I just said, you just saw me leave my house. So I do not look suspicious. I don't look like I'm selling drugs. I've got my boxes and trousers in one hand and my phone in the other. What more, like... What do you want from me? When I was watching it, I could just see your emotions. You just looked so frustrated, scared. Like, what the hell is going on? Why is this police officer doing this? And then there was this other side that I could see of where you were angry and frustrated that you weren't going to back down because you'd done nothing nothing the, wrong. The other one that really got to me is I, I had finished the session with Lido, one of my favourite musicians. I had nothing. And I said to myself, I jinxed myself. I said, nothing could ruin today. Absolutely nothing. I'm over the moon. Come out my session. I'm in Shoreditch. I think it's Friday night or Saturday night. So busy, packed. It's around seven. I'm in my car now, uh, bopping to the new music we just made. And then I see a police come around the corner, past corner shop, and they come past me. Now, me and the police make eye contact. And I'm just still nodding my head to the music. There's two cars behind me. And I just see them in my wing mirror do a U-turn. I was like, okay, so you've profiled me now. So now they're following me. The two cars behind me pull away. They're following me. They're following me. So you've now, you've wrote my license plate down in your machine. You've checked. Everything is legit. Everything is legit. They're still following me. They're still following me. And it got to a point where this is tedious. So I pulled over. They pulled behind me and put their lights on. Jumped out the car and like, yeah, we just want to check if um, all your details are good, blah, blah. I was like, uh, but you just checked, you've ran my license plate and you know everything is good. The, the car's not stolen. That like, What more do you want? Yeah. Oh yeah, we need to see your driver's license. Not a problem. Here's my driver's license. Mm-hmm. So as they're, as they're running through my driver's license, another car, CID comes, 
speeding, pulls right in front of me and is like, oh, you've been stopped. Um, uh, we're going to need blah, 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 blah. I was like, no, I haven't been stopped. I pulled over before they stopped me. I pulled over voluntarily because I saw they were following me. He's like, oh, oh, why are you stopping in the middle of the road? I'm like, well, I, I pulled into a safe place behind a bus stop. This is not the middle of the road. Well, there's been some county line drug dealings in, in Shoreditch. County line drug dealings in Shoreditch. Surely it's not county lines if it's in Shoreditch, bro. Uh, we're going to need you to uh, get out of the car because I was like, no, I'm not a drug dealer. Mm. And then, so we went from stopping for a routine check to county line drug dealings. Then another car, another car pulled behind the first one that stopped me. Police comes out, flashlight, looking in my car. He's got a weapon. He's got a weapon. How is it escalated to he's got a weapon? Get out of the car. We're going to smash your window. I'm like, no, don't smash my window because you're not going to pay for it. Get out of the car. I was like, I'm getting out of the car. I was recording everything at this time. I opened the car. They grabbed me. Both of them slammed me on the car. Yeah. Stop resisting. Stop resisting. Like, relax. I was like, how can I relax when you both, two big men, mm. I'm 6'3". These men are bigger than me. Gold Jim Blunks. Slam me on the car and telling me, stop resisting, relax, relax. I can't, you're holding my hands. What do yeah. you want me to do? They searched the car so I had no weapons and it was embarrassing. I was in the middle of the shortage. They were just wilding and they, oh, yeah, well, um, yeah, you should. They just came up with some ridiculous excuse and I was just. You've experienced this more than once. So I'm wondering, like, what are you hoping for? Like, what do you think should happen to make things better? We need police reform. We need, we need, no, we need to get Chris the Dick out of the um, police commissioner's office because she's doing an appalling job. We need, it goes so much deeper. It goes into economics and the way, the, the way the impoverished are living and the reason why there's high crime. The only reason why there's high crime in any society is ec- economic reasons. So we don't need the police to come and be in the impoverished areas looking for trouble. We need to, we need to first, sort out the economics of why these people are poor. And the police are supposed to serve and protect. You are not serving and you are not protecting. You can't come and attack me, harass me, or say because you look like, or because... I've had police pull my trousers down to search me in broad daylight, and my friend's mum drove past. Do you know how embarrassing that is? Like, it's, it's a joke. We need some people who actually understand the community in positions of power. So it they can always be pulled up and checked if it's getting abused. Because that's the thing, that police raided, they, they decided to raid me and uh, my friend's house and I was sitting there. And then after, after they've done their thing, mm-hmm. they decided to say, yeah, we're the biggest gang in the UK. We're the biggest gang in... Like, I was like, this is, this is your mentality. You're supposed to protect... Who are you serving and protecting if you're saying we're the biggest gang? It's a joke. The police is a joke. It feels as though people have woken up to me, like people around me, and I, it makes me feel a little bit more optimistic. Do you see it? I don't even think people have woken up per se. I just think a lot of it is performative and people just understand that the black pound is powerful and the black dollar is powerful. So a lot of, a lot of companies like L'Oreal who weren't posting black people before, who got rid of their black uh, people for speaking out and now posting black images. And, but it's very performative. Like, so it doesn't feel real to you, it's like tokenism. 100%. Because, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a start. It's, it's 100% a start. We, we need definitely a start. But 
I'm always worried about it going back to normal that, oh, we wait till the dust dies down and then we'll find another way to covertly blackball them. We'll let, we'll let a token one in to tell them there is hope. Look, we are meeting quotas, but we don't want you in positions. We don't want you doing this. We don't want to be associated with this. But we love your culture. We want everything from it, but we just don't want you. That's what I'm worried about. I hear you. And I kind of was thinking about this the other day that if lockdown hadn't happened, would everybody have been able to stop, pay attention? Would they have wanted to? Would they have just carried on in their normal lives? This doesn't affect me. I don't care. Whereas this happening and happening now when everyone was in lockdown, I felt like everyone had to stop and pay attention. So now that we are coming out of COVID-19 and being allowed back out, it will be interesting to see what happens. This lockdown really put everything into perspective for everyone because you couldn't miss it. It was everywhere. And it's a shame it, it took a whole lockdown for people to realise that what we're screaming about, we're not, we're not playing a victim. This actually happens to us on a daily basis. Like you don't have to worry about leaving a house and getting headlocked by police. Because I'm black, black, that's my skin. My melanin, it's how it's always been. All because I'm black, that's why they treat me different. I talk, they don't listen. I'm not playing a victim. I gotta say I'm black and I'm proud. I say that shit loud. Don't ever tell me tone that shit down. Yeah. All because I'm black, black, that's my skin. My melanin, it's how it's always been. Melanin by our special guest Ebenezer is the Blippi Week podcast all about supporting creatives that are just doing incredible things. Ebs, it's such an exciting time for you. You've got so much music out. The Bad Romantic 2 EP. Um, you've also got Flaws and All, which is huge at the moment in, in America. I know you dropped the little Dirk remix recently. How are you feeling? Are you like excited? Craziest thing is I wasn't actually going to put that out. What? I, I loved it, but I had so many others I loved. And because... Um, I have made that one. I just love it. I think it's a tune. What's the, like, how does the chorus go again? I want to say I do, but I don't. <laughs> I want to say I will, but I know I won't. Loving you ain't easy, but I still do it regardless. Loving you ain't easy, but I still do it regardless. Yes. Right. So, um, initially, I was in Canada and I had, I had finished a session and I was just playing around on the piano and I made this kind of loop, which was... So I played that and I was like, oh, this is dope. So I had to record it on my phone to remember it. I get to LA working on someone else's song. And then all of a sudden it just hit me after the session. They, they had left um, having back and forth with my, who is now ex. Um, I wrote this song called Flaws and All. You know, every artist needs that song, you know, to just sometimes make the whole world pay attention. It's crazy because... Um, uh, Flaws and Laws just done 2 million on my own channel on YouTube. Um, I have people from Chicago, LA, Atlanta constantly hitting me saying, yo, you, yo, bro, this one spoke to me. Or, hey, hon, I love this song. Like, this song is amazing. I just have people constantly like hitting me up about this song. So much so, Lil Dirk decided to jump on a remix. I was like, this is, this is insane. I'm, I'm just a guy from London, North London, whose music has literally like transcended location so it's not just specific for the UK that people from Germany France everyone's just kind of saying that they love the song and I'm super proud because I wrote it myself produced it myself recorded it myself mixed it myself so <laughs> bag belongs to me if you're not sure, sure, sure. 
Then baby, I can't be yours If you take my love for granted There can't be us no more you know, the thing I've noticed about you, which I love, is every collaboration you appear on, you always hold your own. Like, you always make sure that you're heard on that track, whether it's Def London, um, Coltrane, Little Doug. You hold your own always. So it is, because I, I, I'm very competitive. I'm like, there is no way you're going to spin me on a song. The other thing I want to speak to you about is, like, critics and DJs and your peers. I know you're indie. I know you're doing it your own way and how you want with your own little team. But do you care, like, what the critics and the DJs are saying? Yes and no. No as in the sense of focus on your own craft. Make sure you are phenomenal at your craft and nobody can do... Yes, everyone, everyone does what you do, but make sure nobody can do what you do, if that makes any sense. Once you're able to do what you do, your peers will have to respect you whether or not they whether they like it or not and once that comes then you can be like yeah i'm respected by my peers like fortunately i believe in my head and my peers do respect me and they respect my my um craft so much so i've got like six features about to come out like so many people have hit me up like yo could you do a verse on this yo could you do a verse on this? yo could you produce this i've I'm like, let's go. That's super exciting. Like six collaborations. All right, tell me about some of them. What can we expect? This young girl called Abby, who turns out to be Ray's sister, is fire. And she's only 16. She, she, she's only 16. It blew my mind. Like, she just hit me up on the DM, like, yo, I'm a big fan of yours. I just want you to check out this song. Um, and if you want, you can, if you can do a verse. And I listen to everything everyone sends me on Instagram. So I listened. And I just hit her back. I was like, yeah, I'm going to send you a verse. And she was like, oh, by the way, I'm Ray's sister. I'm like, I didn't know. Like, it doesn't bother me if you are or, it, or aren't. Like, if the music is good, I'll give you whatever you want. I think that's so cool. So you've got the Abby collaboration. I know you've also worked with Morgan, who signed to Rudimental, Koji Radical, who you've worked with before. Um, who else Who else can we expect? Steph London. Steph London is definitely your girl. Like, you guys have got a relationship and she's such a cool person. What is it about yeah, her that you love? Got, oh, my. If you hear the songs... I promise you, they'll blow your mind. Uh, Wickedest thing is, I don't think a lot of people know how talented this girl is. Steph is a phenomenal talent. This girl can freestyle a whole song easy, not a problem. She's she's a dope musician. She's got a good ear for music. And the most important thing to me is she's a cool person. She's the most chill, down-to-earth person I have met in a long time. And she doesn't care about the, the the glitz and the glamour when she speaks to you it's just that it's real genuine like love so I've always respected her for that and I'm like someone on that caliber who is doing amazing things who's with Lil Baby and QC and Migos and all of that still makes time for little old me you have my respect and you have literally anything you need from me just hit me up like I put her in contact with one of my, my best friends who's a photographer and videographer who is now working with her closely and doing a bunch of stuff for us. I'm like, anything you need, hit me. Like, if one of your people can't patent it, and one of my that one of my people possibly may be able to. So many exciting collaborations coming. I can't wait to hear all this music. The thing that I would love you to touch on is that a lot of people are going to be thinking, how is he doing this? Like, how is he financing everything? I know it's your songwriting. I know it's your producing. I know you're out here hustling. But is there anything you want to just let people know? This is one thing I wanted to touch on earlier. Um, about the music business people need to also understand that this is a music business and the reason why I haven't charted 
in the UK, but I'm still able to like have two houses and work on my third is because I understood the music business. Um, get a good lawyer, get a good manager, not someone that's just going to leech off you. Just understand if you're a producer, there's, you're entitled to a production fee, entitled to publishing, you're entitled to points on a record. So when the record makes money and gets sold, you're entitled to money. Um, I'm still right now fighting for songwriters' rights because I'm a songwriter myself. Songwriters do not get paid, unfortunately, but I believe they should be paid for every production fee because they're as vital to the song as the producer and as the artist. So songwriters get a publishing credit and sometimes points depending on vocal production, etc., etc. Artists know that you get points on the record. If you're on a feature, you get publishing and points on the record. So, yeah, I, I have my hand in every single pie. I'm a producer. I'm a writer. I mean, some great advice there. I'm thinking also just to elaborate a little bit more. Um, when people are coming through and they're starting, sometimes it's like you're hustling with your friends and people that you love and you're creating something together and there's no real money there. So it's not like anybody is getting paid and, and not paying somebody else. But then in other instances, there's people that will be working in professional studios, professional record companies, um, writing, producing, performing, doing BVs, all sorts of stuff, but not getting paid. But because they're at the start of their career, they're not sure when they can start saying something because they don't want to mess up an opportunity. I think the money conversation gets really uncomfortable for people to have. So I'm wondering for you, like, what advice would you give to those people? It's, it's, a, it's a great question. Uh, the first thing I'll was, I was say is you have to hone your craft and be able to do you better than anyone else. So when it comes to that money conversation, yeah, you can go and get X, Y and Z to do it, but they're not going to give you what I just gave you. It can be close, but do, do you want a, a clone copy or do you want the original bill thing? I have turned down work, regardless of money being thrown at me. With me, it's, okay, for, for an independent artist, for example, a label on average will pay a producer 5K, um, just for simple maths, let's just say it's 5K. Yeah. Uh, independent artists may not be able to uh, like afford 5K, but they can afford 2K. Now, what you could do, is compromise and say, okay, I know you can't afford my full fee. So what will happen is I will own 50% of the masters. So every time the record is sold, every money, every penny you make, I will own half of it. Mm -hmm. So if, you're, if your record now goes and makes a million and you only paid me two grand, I won't feel shafted if you go and make your millions and the song blows up. I have a stake in the, um, in the record. And if the record makes X amount, I'll revert the masters back to you. So that means I would have been paid my fee and I would have been getting my money normally like I would be from a label. There's, there's ways to compromise. It's not just about money, 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 money. Sometimes you see someone and you believe in their vision and you're like, do you know what? Like with, with Abby, I waived my fee on both features. I was like, I believe in it. I'm happy for it, I'm happy for it to come out. I waived my fee. There's sometimes you would do it for free. You just have to know your worth and like the stuff you do for money, the stuff you do for love. Just have to try and find a healthy balance. Yeah, high up life, low on sleep, down on luck. I've been up all week. Maybe you could be somebody that saves me. I've been faded quite lately. It's not fun when you're alone. Thank you so much to Ebenezer for being so very open and sharing his journey as a musician, doing it in the independent way. And I hope it really helped you and gave you loads of food for thought because when I announced Ebenezer was going to be on the podcast, 
a lot of you DM me on Instagram, also Twitter, and just kind of shared your frustration and sometimes feeling just a little bit lost in this music space, in this industry, and needing some motivation, also some guidance. So I just hope, I think it has, I just hope this episode has helped you because I feel like Ebenezer was just so honest and so like to the point about how he's done it and he's not sugarcoated anything but it's just awesome to hear a story from an independent musician that's successful living a good life doing what he loves guys as always thank you so much for listening make sure you subscribe and we'll be back soon with a new episode take care Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.